1: I'm Hannah
2: Critchlow reporting from Calcutta, India for this special edition of Naked Neuroscience in which I took to the skies, travelling 5,000 miles southeast from London to descend in northern India off the Bay of Bengal. Calcutta is home to at least 15 million people, a dusty, hot, chaotic sprawl with the air hazy thick with particulate matter, hanging amongst wafts of pakora, dal and jostik and alongside the sounds of congested traffic. In this episode we'll be meeting the man from Bengal who, inspired by what he saw whilst working for over 50 years in the UK National Health Service, raised millions of pounds to set up a neuroscience hospital and research facility back in his homeland of India.
3: Well uh, I was very ambitious and I wanted to uh, be somebody. Whenever I got a chance to go to school I went to school So therefore it was only upward move and also determination.
2: We'll attend the Institute of Neuroscience Calcutta inaugural symposium celebrating this feat with a grand opening by His Excellency, the President of India. And we'll speak with some of the patients being treated here. All to come. Next up, I arrived at the Institute's 10-storey, 150-bed hospital, situated in Calcutta's equivalent to Mayfair, London. Chaotic excitement permeated as the surrounding roads prepared to close in lieu of His Excellency the President of India's imminent arrival to open the inaugural ceremony.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, the Honourable President of India, Pranab Mukherjee, will now address the gallery. It's indeed a very happy occasion for me to inaugurate the Institute of Neuroscience, which is a state of the art facility for neurology, neuroscience, neurorehabilitation, and neuropsychiatry. Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, neuroscience is one of the important disciplines. Globally, about 1 billion people.
2: The president emphasised the global impact of disorders of the nervous system, highlighting both the devastating personal and economic burdens of disorders such as Parkinson's, depression and epilepsy in India and across the globe. He stressed how dedicated research and care is necessary to help improve people's lives, like the work occurring at this institute in Calcutta. I
4: hope that your institution would lead by example and infuse the higher objective of selfless service to society in the rest. I once again compliment everyone associated with this noble venture and wish them very best for the future. Let me conclude in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, I quote, a small body of determined spirits fired by an unquenchable faith in their vision." Can alter the course of history. Thank
2: you, ladies and gentlemen. The Institute treats over 100 people a day, with patients travelling afar from Bangladesh, Afghanistan, and across Bengal. The man who set the hospital up is Professor Robin Sengupta,
3: and I met him
2: at his first workplace in a fruit stall in a bustling
3: bazaar. When I was uh, nine, ten years old, I did not have the means to go to the school. Our uh, economic condition was so low uh, that we had to uh, find ourselves to try to make ends meet. My mother was struggling, and we thought that we shall have to do a little bit our bits. So I had an, uh, we had a market in the market just like him. I used to um, uh, I used to sell fruits. Come here, come here. Just.
5: What's your name? Oh, uh, My name is Nasimuddin.
3: Mohammed Nasimuddin. And so I was just like one of him. And, of course, I was much younger than him because I was only nine, ten years old. And then, as soon as I got opportunity, I moved upward. And then I went to uh, school, and school to college, and college to the rest of the history. But in the beginning, uh, this is what I had to do. All right. And how much do you earn each week? I uh, Three. Okay. So his own income is five or six hundred rupees per day, which is a very meager salary.
2: Would he be able to visit the hospital that you've set up?
3: Yeah, he will be able to visit, got a 20% a very, very low cost treatment, and those who are extremely neighbor and poor, we give a free service, free consultation, free many things once a month. And that is due, and then whenever they come they have got a very subsidised attention.
2: Has your experience of working, selling fruit, when you were very young, has that made you build a hospital that Uh, then these people can now
3: afford to go to? Well, uh, I was very ambitious, and I wanted to uh, be somebody, and then when my childhood was uh, such that I can't forget these guys. So this is the thing. So I want to do something great, but at the same time not forgetting these guys. Okay. And we'll
2: continue to follow Robin's journey later in the show. But first, to find out more about his early years, I met his childhood friend.
6: My name is Tushar Kantik Chakraborty, Doctor Shankhupto, and myself. We both of us hail from the same village of Bangladesh. His father was an homeopathic doctor, uh, but not so well-to-do person. That's why during his childhood I saw him selling banana and green vegetables in a local market. Since his father was not a to person, he was unable to give proper education, even wear clothing to his children. He used to come to school bare, barefooted, no shirt. He was not in a position to pay 6 school fee for his education. He could not attend school regularly. What he would do? He used to collect school notes for other classmates to sustain his livelihood. At that time, he started tuition small boys just to earn his livelihood. He was good in all subjects. So, the thing is, his ambition was to be a doctor and to make a hospital like this. That's why he got himself admitted in a medical college.
2: So even when he was very young, he had
6: a vision that he would build a hospital. It was his dream to make a super specialist hospital. It was his ambition from his childhood to be a doctor and to make a hospital to serve the people, poor people ah, of our country.
2: Thanks to Jog Jogriputi. We'll be discovering later Robin's experience during his 53 years working within the National Health Service in the UK. But first, I took to the wards in Calcutta. Each morning, the round meeting gathers doctors from across the hospital to brainstorm challenging cases. The meeting closes with all standing for the Institute's Hippocratic oath blasting over the
0: Tannoy. I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required, avoiding those twin traps of overtreatment and therapeutic nihilism. I will remember that there is art to medicine as well as science and that warmth, sympathy and understanding may outweigh the surgeon's knife or the chemist's drug. I will not be ashamed to say I know not, nor will I fail to call on my colleagues when the skills of another are needed. For a patient's recovery.
2: One of the cases presented was this boy.
1: My name is Muhammad Ahmad Islam.
2: And how old are you?
1: Twelve years. And how do you feel? He says he's having uh, tremendous back pain that is uh, that is causing his gait difficulty. He, he's unable to walk properly. And what's he is unable to uh, get up when he sits down. And it, that's the main problem when he is sitting, he is unable to get up. Or when he is uh, walking, he is having the back pain.
2: To find out why Mao Mahidman Islam, who is also affectionately called Babu for short, is experiencing these symptoms, I met with his attending doctor.
5: I'm Rishikesh Kumar. I'm head of neurology in Institute of Neurosciences, Kolkata. Babu is a 12 years old male and he's following me uh, with me for the last two years. Very strange case because uh, he came with a sudden onset difficulty in walking and pain all over body. So when you have such case, you think of spinal cord disease because both limbs are not working properly. But when we examined the patient, the patient had a lot of symptoms but no sign. That means while he was lying down, he could move his leg. So quite intriguing. We did all the investigations. That included MRI, blood test, and they all were normal. We gave some medicine, and that was very non-specific for pain anti inflammatory, and he responded in a few days' time. We we were very happy that we missed some diagnosis, but he is all right. A few months later, he came with a similar problem, and he had strange difficulty in walking. But what I noticed, that when you give a small pull, a small push he could maintain himself very well he could maintain the balance
2: so babi went to visit bonashi she's a research assistant at the neuroscience institute kolkata who's working on movement disorders
1: now i'm just asking him to walk with support of with the, both hands and then i'll ask him to walk on the gate right
2: And the gait right is a mat that's probably about six meters long and it's got um, many sensors in it that can pick up the movement and the pressure that's being applied as the patient walks.
1: I'm asking him to walk on this gait right mat and he has to walk middle of this because these are the sensors. So whenever he will be walking on this mat, his food impressions will be recorded in the gait right machine so that we can record it and assess it.
2: And how many sensors are there within this six-meter mat?
1: There are millions of sensors in the mat. So the wherever he keeps his food, the foot impression is captured. All the food pressure, the length, the stride length, the step time, everything is captured from this skate ride machine to the computer. Three, four, five, six,
0: seven, eight, nine, ten... 11, 12,
2: 13, 14, 15... And with a bit of encouragement, Medislam is able to walk across the sensor mat and his footprints and the gait will have been measured whilst he was walking.
1: These are the temporal and spatial temporal parameters. Those are getting recorded from the foot impressions of this young boy. And what
2: will that information help to tell us?
1: Uh, this information, can, whenever he comes next time, we can compare the footfalls and we, we can see what's the difference with medicine, with the medication and we can see uh, whether it is a psychogenic or something
5: else.
2: I went back to speak with Dr. Rashi Kashkumar to find out what this skate walking test revealed about Babu.
5: You can call it magic carpet, which is about 20 feet long and 3 feet wide. It has thousands of sensors embedded in it. So when a person walks on that, all the gate parameters they are transmitted to the computer. So you can see that what is the speed of gait, what is the stride length, with what force the patient had put his one foot on on the mat. There are different parameters which are little technical, like swing time, single support time, that means how long the right foot is on the ground, double support time, that how long the both feet are on the ground. So there are at least 20 parameters we can measure by that mat. This has been used in only uh, three centers in India and a few centers all over the world, can we use this walkway as a biomarker for different diseases? So what we are doing, when we know the diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, or when we know the diagnosis of, say, a stroke, we ask the patient to walk on that. And we are collecting a huge number of data on that mat. And we are seeing a very clear pattern, that Parkinson's disease, they have different pattern. Those having only a stroke, they have a different pattern another thing known as hydrocephalus, means water in the brain. They also have walking difficulty, and they have different patterns. We can fix a pattern for each diagnosis. And then if we don't know the diagnosis, we ask the patient to walk on that, and at least with the software, this can give the hint that this is Parkinson's disease or vascular Parkinsonism or hydrocephalus and uh, likewise. For Babu, we used him to walk on that because all the diseases... What, what we talked about, Parkinson's disease, vascular Parkinsonism, spinal cord problem, which is known as myelopathy, they should have a constant pattern when they walk. In his case, what we saw, that he had walking difficulty, but pattern kept on changing. That goes in favor of a non-organic, that means psychogenic disorder rather than an organic disorder, because any organic disorder, the pattern will remain the same in all the walks. In Babu's case, it, it was different every time. So that was the clue that he has, psychogenic walking disorder rather than true walking disorder. That gave us an idea that something is wrong, not physically, psychologically. So we discussed the case with our psychiatrist.
2: And so Babu, his family and myself took a lift down to another ward since the doctors weren't sure if Babu's symptoms were due to inflammation around his spinal cord
7: or if it was an emotional reaction to stress. A psychiatric assessment was required. Uh, my name is Dr. Praveen Kumar. I'm a consultant child and adolescent psychiatrist. And you just spent the last
2: hour yeah. speaking with Momod Islam, lamb and yeah. well, his nicknames, Babu's, yeah. Yeah. Um, family, and, yeah. and then also spending half an hour chatting with Babu
7: himself. Yeah. What did you find out during that consultation? First session, like I just uh, devoted this session to establish a rapport with the child. Okay, so uh, this is a case which is referred from a neurologist. Okay, uh, they have investigated for uh, all neurological diseases, and they are suspecting there is a some psychological component may be associated with this child. I thought uh, t- uh, during the first session, okay, I'll be just establishing a rapport with the child. That means I'll I just as you saw, like I asked about his positive things, what he likes to do, what in which are the activities he is good at. And he so, mentioned sports and then he got really stuck yeah. into some mathematical yeah. calculations yeah, that you laid out yeah, for yeah. him. He said, like, he's good at maths, he's good at sports okay he got then when we appreciated him he said that I got a certificate for uh, some race running race in his school so this is the way we establish a, a rapport with the child then you are going into deep and explore the issues other issues.
2: And um, during the meeting today with all the doctors, um, so this case was brought up, the doctors needed to discuss in order to try and find out what the problem was. One of Babu's possible diagnosis could have been Munchenson's disease by proxy. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you can diagnose
7: it if it is the case for Babu? Okay, Munchausen syndrome is symptoms. A child uh, will present with some physical symptoms for which there are no physiological cause or no physical cause Okay. And uh, when the child is doing these symptoms consciously, then you say it's a munchausen syndrome. Sometimes child may present with a certain physical symptoms. Although child is not doing it voluntarily, these symptoms are created by the caregiver. So it
2: may be that the, the caregiver, whether it's yeah, the, yeah. the brother or yeah, the father or, yeah. or the parents, so, but, uh, are stressed yeah. and then it's, yeah, it's manifesting yeah. itself within yeah. Babu. Yeah,
7: uh, but we have to explore. It's, uh, it's not clear, like, is it a Manchester syndrome? In, uh, actually, in children, we say it's a, a kind of dissociation disorder, dissociation
2: and I left Dr. Coven Kumar to answer his phone. Before we returned to find out about Babu's follow-up the next day, I wanted to explore mental health stigma in India to find out how it compared to the UK and if class and caste systems here affect treatment.
0: I'm Alaknanda Bhatt. I'm a psychiatrist working in the Institute of Neurosciences, Kolkata. Psychiatry is a problem that affects all classes of the society and we attend to almost all these psychiatry patients. But care-seeking attitude will depend upon the social class For example, if you are from a lower socioeconomic class and your main breadwinner is suffering from a psychiatric illness like, say, depressive illness or schizophrenia, they'll be more forthcoming in seeking treatment because once they get better, they can get back to work. And the family is very supportive in these cases, which is one of the main reasons why we have a very good outcome in psychotic illnesses in India in general. So uh, the family supports them through and through. And now it comes to the middle classes, They try to hide, but again, when the dysfunction becomes very severe, they do come. But it's the upper classes who are the main problem. They will continue to rationalize, use logical reasons for extreme severe cases. The Google has become a big problem. They seem to learn everything from the Google. And after that, it becomes difficult to treat, but... They tend to hide their illnesses, but times they do end up in the psychiatric clinic. And how much does it cost if a a patient
2: that's in the lower income bracket and the the reason they're presenting themselves to you is because they need to work, they need to go back to work, how much would it cost for them to be treated by you?
0: Actually, over here, our consultation fees are fixed at around 1,000 rupees per consultation.
2: So um, 1,000 rupees would be the equivalent of maybe six months' work for the average low-income person?
0: But they don't pay 1,000. Usually what happens is they are given concessions. They either pay 100 or 500 rupees. So that sort of makes up. And the medicines, we try to give them the low-cost medicines because there are different pharmaceutical companies who are available and some of them do make the medicines at a cheaper rate. So we try to uh, uh, sort of prescribe that sort of medicines because in India we do not prescribe generic names we go by the pharmaceutical names in the prescriptions. So in the
2: UK, for example, a pharmaceutical company might have the intellectual property for a drug and the GPs will prescribe that drug at a higher price and then once that intellectual property has gone off licence after about 15 years of patenting law... And companies can develop cheaper alternatives that are based on that. And you're prescribing those cheaper alternatives.
0: Yeah, we do that. Especially for the people who are poor, who cannot go for a more uh, costlier drug, we have to do that. Because most of these drugs are available in India at a cheaper price. So those drugs
2: that you're talking about, for example, are drugs that will help treat depression or treat schizophrenia?
0: Yeah, we're talking about those drugs. We use those drugs. Apart from that, we also use a lot of uh, psychological treatment in our hospital. Because uh, especially in depression, when you have mild or moderate depression, you can use cognitive behavior therapy. And a lot of uh, help comes up out of helping the family to understand the illness then they are usually very caring in india i mean uh, the family is a huge thing you want to look after your parents your uh, siblings and they do go out of their way once they realize that they are really suffering from a serious illness and their presence can make a difference so those factors also come in when we put some time in explaining to the family.
2: Thanks to Alak Dat. Returning to Babu, after he and his family had a few more sessions with a psychiatrist, I returned to speak with Dr. Rashi Kesh Kumar on Babu's diagnosis and treatment.
5: What he has, we call as dissociative syndrome. That means patient has the subconscious urge to be noticed, to get attention. And if he doesn't get, then in subconscious mind, something happens, something changes. And that is reflected as... These symptoms: walking difficulty, pain all, all over the body. So, in such cases, it's very difficult to treat the patient. What will work is proper counseling uh, for parents to understand that this is not a physical condition. They have to be patient and uh, uh, they have to undergo psychotherapy themselves and for the child. The problem is that his father and mother, his parents, are very overprotective. So, the smallest problem, they run for 500 kilometers and they, they come here. The child himself likes this; he likes the attention. He likes to come to Calcutta. He likes to be attended by the doctors. So that is complicating the problem. So first thing for the parents to understand that this is not a serious issue. If he has those symptoms, they should not take that seriously because we have seen, we have done all the investigations. They themselves, as well as the child, should go uh, regular psychotherapy.
2: Next, I took some time out of the hospital to brave the congested roads in Kolkata with an anaesthetist who took me to one of his favourite spots in the city.
8: I'm Dr. Shopto Shibasu. Uh, I'm the intensivist and the critical care specialist at the Institute of Neurosciences Kolkata.
2: And you brought me to this beautiful and very busy park in the middle of Kolkata. Can you describe the surroundings to our listeners?
8: Uh, Well, uh, this is uh, the Princip Ghat, as we say. Just behind it is the second uh, Hooghly Bridge. And it's a park, nice place to be with a lot of greeneries and a very uh, busy part of the city. This is one of the places you must visit when you are in Kolkata.
2: And um, dusk is just setting on Kolkata and there's lots of families running around having picnics, playing games.
8: Yeah, they're playing badminton. The winter season in Kolkata is here and people are celebrating the winter. It's a Saturday evening. We have many lovers point also here. Uh, People are making uh, uh, their girlfriends and boyfriends come here take pictures and photographs, so it's a nice place to be here.
2: So just to note that um, the winter in Kolkata, I'm wearing a short-sleeved top and leggings, and I'm actually quite warm. It's probably about 20 degrees here, it's lovely. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about... What made you start working at the um, Institute, Neuroscience Institute, that Robinson Gupta can set up?
8: Well, uh, Professor Dr. Robinson Gupta is a father figure in neurosurgery. So when he offered me the job, I couldn't say no to him.
2: And you've always lived in Kolkata?
8: I, I've been born in Kolkata, and my studies are also here.
2: And what's it like? Can you describe a typical day for you working at the Neuroscience Institute in Calcutta?
8: Well, uh, I'm an intensivist, so my uh, job is to handle those critical patients who are there in the ventilators with a lot of emergency medical conditions coming in with the emergency department. So I always have a very hectic day. You have to manage the patient and deal with those ventilator settings. And at the end of the day, it feels really satisfied if, you, if I bring a smile to the face of the family members of the patients who are admitted there.
2: And what kind of typical injuries are these people coming in with? From having seen the traffic in Calcutta, Is it head injuries from from traffic accidents?
8: Yeah, definitely. We get a lot of uh, trauma patients, uh, road traffic accident patients. As you saw while traveling uh, with me, that there were a lot of people who were just not very ignorant about their fact that they might injure the head and fall down. A lot of road traffic accidents, a lot of trauma cases uh, with extradural hematoma, subdural hematoma. A lot of people coming in with neurosurgeries needed. So that is where we specialise a unique institute.
2: And there's also lots of motorcyclists as well weaving in and out of the traffic. And I believe that there's been a new law passed within Kolkata to make sure that the majority of them, at least, are wearing, wearing helmets to protect their heads.
8: Yeah, they yeah, are very true. I mean, you need to wear the helmets and protect yourself first. Still, there are certain people who would, I would still suggest, to wear the helmets and protect themselves first.
2: And the dusk is really setting now here in the park. And so the bridge has just been lit up with some beautiful blue and yellow lights. I've got a couple of people that have come up to see what's been going on and what we're chatting about myself and Dr. Basu. Hello, who are you?
1: Hello, Anjali Agarwal. And your name? My Ankita Agarwal.
2: And how old are you? 12 years old? 11. 11. And what have you been up to today? Have you been playing in the park?
1: So they're they
8: are with uh, their auntie and roaming around. As I said, it's a festive season, so they're just roaming around and having fun.
1: Uh, I like very much Calcutta. In Calcutta, it's a very beautiful places. This. And are you at school? School. My also.
2: And what's your favourite subject? Uh,
1: maths. Literature.
2: Literature and maths? Ah. And what's your, have you got a favourite poet or a favourite writer? Um,
1: Rabindranath
8: Tagore. Rabindranath Tagore as well. He uh, is, is a world-famous poet. He has won the uh, Nobel Prize for Gitanjali. In each phase of your life, you have his song. So such beautiful songs.
2: And you like maths? And what do you think of this bridge here, this second Tubi bridge? Do you think the maths, the trigonometry that have made the engineering possible are good?
1: Very nice and good. Uh, Triangle angle.
2: Thanks to Shoptu Shibasu and also to the Calcutta children who assured me that they do wear safety helmets when on their father's motorbike. Next up, we braved the traffic to return to the ward with Professor Robin Sangupta to visit a patient who hadn't fared
3: so well on the streets. He was knocked down by a four-wheeler and he was unconscious for a short period of time. But he regained consciousness and then he was brought in here and these are the external injuries he had. So uh, tomorrow he's going home.
2: So the right side of his face is um, yeah. very swollen and yeah. he's got a very big bruise around his eye. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of treatment did he get when he came uh, in he, here? What
3: he had, because he was unconscious, he had a scan and to see and there is a slight contusion of the brain but there is no big blood clot to operate on. Contusion means that little bruising of the brain itself. So, as his condition did not deteriorate, so we did not have to operate on him. And uh, these are taken care of by dressings, these, that, and the other, and x rays to see any fracture. But he did not have any fracture, but you can see the black and blue. He's, the boy can speak English. He goes to St. Javier's school. So, you can ask him questions. What's your name?
1: Shiv Sarkar. And how
2: old are you? 14 years. And how are you feeling now? Can you remember being hit by the car? No. Completely gone, all the memory is gone? Yes. Are you feeling
3: okay now? Yes. Are you going to go back to school next week?
1: Yes. Exam is finished and that, that day only I got accident.
3: Oh, poor chap! The day his exam finished, that day he had the accident.
2: No celebration? No. Maybe celebrate when you're out and when you've recovered, fully recovered? Yes. Good news for shoves are good. Well, unfortunately, that's almost all we have time for in this episode. But first, picture a UK-based travelling neurologist who, whilst preparing for patient duties, dons his best Del Monte-type beige suit and steps into a Calcutta taxi. Safety conscious, he duly straps himself in, only to discover the seatbelt is covered in black, sooty grub. So, he swaps his dirty suit for scrubs at the hospital. On our way back to the hospital that evening, no taxes are available. But behold, a kind neuroscience institute Kolkata ambulance man offers to drop us off. Dr Mark Cunningham and Dr Mark Baker from Newcastle University explain the explosive incidents that had me laid upon a stretcher with a scrubbed-up attending doctor on our way home.
9: Well, we, we were effectively... Uh blue lighted through the rush hour of Calcutta by uh, one of the ambulances from the Institute of Neuroscience due to an urgent medical emergency which I'm sure my clinically qualified colleague Dr Baker can uh, expand on a little bit more. I think there's an important bit of background here and that is we are day four into our visit to Calcutta and every one of our party has come down with gastroenteritis. The person holding the microphone at the moment um, has come down particularly badly, and just at the moment we hit a solid wall of traffic in Calcutta, which is a difficult place to progress to at the best of times. Driver Judy turned on the siren, (laughs) sensing that the back of his ambulance might be imminently soiled, and... Miraculously, we made it a half hour journey into a five minute uh, dash for, for the toilet. Is there anything you want to add to that, Dr. Kenny? No, I think that's a, an excellent uh, synopsis of the uh, recent uh, medical emergency. Not so much English patient, but English impatient.
2: And, uh, and the sirens really did help us get back very swiftly so that I could visit the toilet. What exactly was going on in my gut and in my immune system to cause this um, a rapid evacuation and a rapid transportation back to the hostel?
9: My guess is that we have all picked up some kind of norovirus. Your gastric mucosa has presumably been hijacked by the viral pathogen. You're not absorbing the water. It's got to come out somewhere.
2: Well, that's all we have time for in this episode, unfortunately. But join us next month where we'll be hearing from the two marks, finding out how human brain tissue is being kept alive in a Petri dish. We'll discover new treatments on the horizon for epilepsy and motor diseases. And we'll be hearing more from Robinson Gupta on exactly how one goes about setting up a hospital. Thanks to all those who featured in the programme. See you next month to Open Our Minds.